Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 522 of the Juicebox Podcast. Perhaps you remember episode 376, where Zoe came on to talk about being the sibling of a sister with type 1 diabetes. Her sister's name was Roxy. And Roxy threw Zoe right under the bus and right onto the Juice Box podcast. So I thought it was only fair to get Roxy on to hear her side of the story. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. I have to tell you, I enjoyed speaking with Roxy so much that as I'm thinking back on it right now, I don't know what we talked about. I just remember having a good time. So that can't be a bad sign, can it? If you're looking for the Diabetes Pro Tip series or the Defining Diabetes series, they're both available at juiceboxpodcast.com and at diabetesprotip.com. This episode of the Juicebox Podcast is sponsored by Touched by Type 1, a great organization doing wonderful things for people with type 1 diabetes. Please learn more about them on their Facebook page, their Instagram page, or at touchedbytype1.org. While I have you, I'd like to remind you that if you're a U.S. resident living with type 1 diabetes or a U.S. resident who's the caregiver of someone with type 1, the T1D Exchange is looking for you. They'd love for you to participate in a quick survey that can be completed in just a few minutes right on your phone, your tablet, or your computer. After you finish the questions, they're super simple. I did them in about seven minutes. You will be contacted annually to update your information and to be asked further questions. This whole thing is 100% anonymous, completely HIPAA compliant, and does not require you to ever see a doctor or go to a remote site. And every time someone completes the process using my link, the podcast benefits. So if you're looking for a way to help type one research the podcast or both, nothing could be easier or more beneficial. Please just go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. When you get there, click join our registry now and complete the survey. It's that easy. Past participants like you have helped to bring increased coverage for test strips, Medicare coverage for CGMs and changes in the ADA's guidelines for pediatric A1C goals. It is difficult to find people like you to fill out these surveys, and that's why the T1D Exchange has asked me to ask you. Hello. Hello. The only thing that stops me from singing Roxanne is that it is dated, <laughs> would call you a hooker, and I have a terrible singing voice. <laughs> you know, you're not the first one to uh, react to that. <laughs> I just, I stopped myself from doing it. I was like, I sing so poorly Roxanne. that it would be disjointed. Yes, that's right. I know. I don't know what my parents were thinking, but I go by Roxy for that very reason. Although then, like when I was in college, I would get all these like Roxy strip club things under my <laughs> dorm door. And I was like, this is not any better. I don't know. <laughs> it means every person who walked by one of those handbills was like, oh, Roxy. Yeah, I'll take one of those. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Charming. Yes. This horrible place makes me think of my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. College <laughs> students, man. Oh, <laughs> lovely. Well, 
Oh, dear. Anyway, um, we're recording already because I'm just getting the sound set up. But, yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Now would be a bad time to come out for something weird, you know. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll keep it together. Because <laughs> if it was too crazy, I'd be like, I have to keep this in. <laughs> I'm surprised you're able to do this over Zoom. It's really cool. I was like worried that I wouldn't have the right headset or something because I don't have headsets <laughs> anymore. I have to be honest. The fact that I'm leaving this all in the podcast, the the little amount of effort that I put into setting up the recordings and how well 99.9% of them go is, <laughs> is fascinating because what I do is my wife asked me one time, like, why do you book appointments out so far in the future? I was like, because it gets me the people who really want to be on the show. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, you know, anybody can say, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow and then follow through. I'm like, somebody who can tell you in December that they're willing to record a <laughs> podcast in June really wants to be on the podcast and they'll put the effort in that's necessary. You know, that is fascinating. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm definitely that type. See? Wow. <laughs> I, I, I weed out the heads this way. And so. <laughs> and I really hate it when people like are, my, my husband calls them, um, what is, is like no second responders or something? Like they, they send an email like, do you want to do this? And you write back, yeah. And then they just kind of ghost at that point. Yeah. <laughs> it's because they're trying to get something going. And, and I yeah. have the um, luxury of having content. So I'm not running around crazy looking for somebody. It's also why you don't probably turn the podcast on one week and just go, ooh, filler. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't have to do filler because I'm I'm literally recorded ahead. I say it once in a while, but we're talking in December. Yeah. And I think if I drop dead today, the podcast could keep going to like mid-June probably. Wow. So I'm Yeah, good. I think my sister recorded with you in January, mm-hmm. right? I think that's right. Because I remember I was – I was flying, Scott. That's how long ago this was. And I was waiting to board the plane. Um, and I went on a trip on a, a trip in for work in January. And I heard that interview with one of the uh, I'm forgetting her name now, but the person who spoke about how worried she was about her younger um I don't remember if it was a daughter or son, her younger child and feeling neglected. And I was just laughing to myself. And I remember sitting there in the airport lounge going, I gotta get Zoe to do this because she will uh Prove quite the opposite. I'm fascinated that you don't have diabetes or that you have diabetes, that your sister, that you you were like, hey, get on this podcast. And she's like, okay. And then she comes on and she's like, the one of the first <laughs> things she said was, I don't really know anything about Roxy's diabetes. I was like, well, this will be fun. So <laughs> that was mean of me to do to you, but I was very curious what she would say. It was interesting. She's like, I don't really know much about it. Thank you. Yeah. Has it, did it bother yeah. you as a child? Not that I remember. Okay, great. We'll just fill the next 58 minutes with something different. <laughs> but no, I I, yeah. I think seriously, it was good for people to hear because I think it's a, if you're a parent, especially of younger children, it's mm-hmm. a real like concern. I can see that, you know, like doing this thing is going to make the other kid feel like they're you're not paying attention to them. But I don't think for the most part that is actually what happens. Yeah. And, and I think that's. I think that's so true, at least in our case, well, as it was very clear. Um, <laughs> I think it was interesting for me, though, because I think a lot about sort of how having diabetes has in, has impacted my mental health. And I've, I'm blessed to be a very, very, like, mentally healthy person, I think. I don't have a lot of, you know, I don't suffer from depression. I'm a little on the, like, high-strung side, but I don't think it's anything clinical. Um, but even so, I think it's had, like, 
a lot of, of implications, but what's interesting to me is how it kind of, it stopped with me and my parents. Like, I don't think it kind of, um, I don't know, like rippled out beyond that. So, and my sister certainly proved that when, <laughs> when she talked. I'm stopping myself from <laughs> laughing because you just described yourself as not clinically high strung. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I'm probably, I'm probably somewhere in the, uh, anxiety spectrum, but I don't know if I would qualify for anything. I've, I've been to a therapist before and she was not terribly helpful. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to stick with like such a great 70s. It's just a great 70s phrase is all. That's the, uh, she's just a little I'm, high strong. Don't yeah, worry about I know that. I'm sure that's something I picked up from my parents. That oh, sounds like, yeah. Oh, I'm a hundred percent sure this is what happened. Yeah. That's why I'm literally like, you're just a little high strung rocks. It's fine. <laughs> I'm picturing your mother in a dress on a plaid sofa going, oh, why is this one so high strung? <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh. So, so let's dig in for a second. All right. Did you, are you the, you're the person and you'll forgive me. I get a lot of emails. But for about two emails over the last year, you and I have been married. You've corrected me like twice. That's you, right? Um, about yeah, probably. Yes, yeah. I, I miss about you. like social justicey type things and environmentalism. Yes, yes, you've corrected <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, I'm, a couple not, I'm of that times. person. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say corrected. I was just sharing with you about cow farts and um, <laughs> what was the other thing? Oh yeah, I yeah, I guess I was pretty worked yeah, up about. You really all didn't like the way I spoke about. I, so I must have used a. I, I really kind of thought about what you said, and I feel like it was just maybe like one sentence in the middle of an hour that you didn't like, but you particularly didn't like it. And so it, it's interesting for me because I don't know what I think about everything. So sometimes you'll hear me talk through it. Which I love. Yeah, except, that makes your podcast great. Yeah, except sure. you didn't like the way I talked through this one thing, and then you wrote me a long email <laughs> about it. No, I think I wasn't. I, I honestly don't even remember. Well, Shoot. good. Well, this I'm not bringing it up good. then. That's fine. Okay. 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 I won't. I won't. Yeah. I, I um, greatly appreciate your the way that you think about things. And I also appreciate that you don't, that you're able to kind of like walk a line in terms of not getting too political about stuff. But as you can probably tell, I'm a very um, high strung person now. Uh, <laughs> I'm a very like outspoken lefty, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so I often am like keen to speak up on about things that, especially when I know people are um, well-meaning and and good at listening and learning, because I think I definitely feel that way about you. So well, um, that's well, the reason that I've I would say yeah, emailed based, you about things <laughs> based on the first email. I'm guessing, and I have no idea, but I'm going to put your age about twenty years my junior. Are you in your thirties? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's it's not because of your age. It's because of generational stuff like there's just yes. a cup. I wish I so wish I could play you an episode that I recorded years ago that I'm not allowed to put up. Okay. So I recorded this great episode with this type one whose partner was. um, Oh, my gosh, I don't even know how to say it. This is how old I am. They, they they don't, I guess they don't subscribe to a gender certification. I don't even know any of the phrase and the terminology to use, right? But there was like a lot of like gender non-conforming, probably. Yeah. yeah. And I <clears throat> tried so hard and she did such a great job of explaining it to me. And yeah. I really did pick through it. But then at the end, these people were traveling internationally 
and we're we're genuinely scared for people in oh. other countries to know about their you know how how they think how the how the one person in the relationship thinks about their gender so she, mm-hmm. she asked me not to put it up and so i oh, never wow. did but it was That's really interesting yeah. because as i'm like wait she them i don't he like there was like a z I just couldn't. I was so Roxy. I tried so hard. It's so funny. I've actually wondered if you will ever interview somebody who's gender nonconforming and how you would find it. Well, it's so weird that you bring that up. That's so funny because I think when was it you somebody referred to their partner and I was like, oh, I wonder if they're like, or I don't remember what happened on one of the episodes. I was kind of like, oh, I wonder if they just like don't if they use they for instance as their pronoun. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's tricky if you haven't been surrounded by people that you love that that you know. I swear to God, it has nothing to do with my yeah. It has nothing to do with my desire to not. No, say exactly. It. Yeah, my yeah. brain can't like my my brain can't follow it. it. It it almost felt like she was holding up a a piece of blue paper and telling me this is red. Every time I show you this, tell me mm. it's red. And my brain would go, I, I know I'm supposed to say red. <laughs> and then I just, I, but she does such a good job of explaining, like I said, how her partner thought of things. Mm-hmm. And then at the very last second said, please don't put that up. And I was like, oh, oh but, and it gosh. was, it was so many years ago. It was like my old microphone, a different room where I recorded. So this was a really long time yeah. ago. It was a number of years ago. So it was not even like, um. Not even like the, like in 2020, somebody was like, hey, please say they or something like that. It okay, was yeah. A long yeah, it was sort ago. of before people like put their pronouns in their Zoom names and stuff. Yes, these people were ahead of the curve is what I'm yeah, saying. And yeah. so I would – anyway. Um, anyway, yeah. that's how sometimes I feel when I'm talking about social stuff. Like I'm mm-hmm. on I'm on what I think is the, the people's side of most ideas. I, I mean, if I'm Absolutely, being honest, yeah. I think I'm on the common sense side of ideas. That's how I try to think about things. I, I don't have a real, like if somebody from my political party says something ridiculous, I don't think, all right, well, I'll get behind it because I'm on their team. I think, eh, yeah, we need more stupid. people like that, frankly. Yeah. I mean, I do. I think my husband is from the UK and he he's very interesting because he's he's very progressive, very lefty as well. But he kind of points out to me how... Um, the sort of language of wokeness for lack of a better word Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, is sort of a very American thing and a very like college educated, you know, um, liberal thing. And he, I think gets a little bit irritated by some of the language. And so it's, I don't know, I was just having a conversation with him last night about a project that I'm working on. That's an international project. And we were trying to be quite deliberately inclusive by recruiting more people uh, to work on this project that, are not white people. (laughs) And um, one of the people who is Swedish was kind of pushing back and kind of basically conforming to a more sort of um, colorblind approach of like, it's, we're, we're nice. We're inclusive. It's fine. And, you know, and I was sort of saying, well, no, we need to be, you know, this doesn't happen by osmosis. We really need to like put ourselves in an uncomfortable position um, potentially to recruit people, like to actually kind of value that as something that we're recruiting toward our group. And it was a very uh, kind of tense back and forth where we were kind of agreeing, but I think some of the language got in the way. And so I'm I'm quite conscious of, of that, that this isn't like, you're not going to kind of get people to think about these issues um, by being kind of jargony and, uh, and I don't know, abrasive. 
So I definitely understand that it's, it's super important to, to, yeah, have people who are, who are well-meaning and want to learn. We all just need to be a little bit humble and open-minded. And I think you're amazing at kind of talking about how you've evolved and um, how your thinking is changing about diabetes and about other things. And so, yeah, so I just um, feel like. What's the point of learning something if you're not going to apply it? That's, you know, kind of like, like either find a, find a level and just sit there and coast to the end and just be like kind of comfortably numb and happy. That's fine. Or, but <laughs> if you're going to learn something, then don't go, oh, that does make more sense. But I have these deep seated, long held beliefs, so I can't really do anything different. I, I also don't yeah. think forcing people is the way to go either. There was um sometime in 2020, I'm bad with time, but it was sometime in 2020 on one of the social media platforms around diabetes, there was a big dust up about um, race. And then the push came to, like, amplify black voices. And I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. And then I went back and looked at my podcast, and I was like, I've had a lot of black guests on. Actually, a number of them, nobody mentioned what color they were while it was happening. And you probably don't know. And I Mm -hmm. thought, I'm not going to just run out. I thought it it felt to me insulting to just run out and go, Mm -hmm. hey, you're black and have diabetes. Can you come on the podcast? I just, I'm like, I'm not doing that. And then I, yeah, I, I think, you know, oh, sorry, go ahead. no. And then I looked and I, I like uh, six weeks prior, there was a, I, I had a guy on who was black. He was bl- gay and black. I was checking all kinds of boxes. <laughs> and, and so, and it wasn't, by the way, I didn't have him on cause he was gay and black. I had him on cause a friend of mine said, Hey, he's a really interesting guy. Should have him mm-hmm. on the show. And I was like, cool. So I did that. But I watched every other diabetes platform run to black content. I was like, I don't really think this changes anything. I think you're just satisfying the, 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 the echo chamber that told you that this was an important thing to do right now. I don't think you're actually touching the people you think you are. I think you're just mm. satisfying the people who are aware of it. I'm like, you got to find the people who aren't aware that there's a problem and find a way to yeah, I mean, the, show that. The point of doing that is so that you, you get a different perspective, right? Like it's not just like, we want to check a box. It's like, we want to actually hear about people who are poor and have diabetes or we want to hear. So I think if you're, if you're thinking about it, or I know I'm using your example, but in my example, you know, we were, we're looking at, um, this is kind of a very niche interest, but this is, uh, we're looking at technical art history. And so, and writing and doing a journal that, that talks about that. You so fancy white and, lady, what's going on over there? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, wow, it is so <laughs> white. I mean, this field is, and it's a publication as right. well. So it's like, you know, a real example of a situation where, where, you know, historically there has not been a lot of, you know, discussion of like, for instance, graffiti art or like, um, you know, a lot of archaeological object like there's there's a lot of places that we could go with this that we could also just we could also just kind of talk about um white male painters that are in museums so it's like it's a very i think the you're right to have sort of more goal-oriented approach where you're like um i want to talk to somebody who has this particular experience and i think you do a great job of recruiting um pretty diverse voices but maybe in general i think the people that are more type a are the ones that are going to get on Oh, I, I know. So we do have a lot of like moms that are that are like taking care of their kids and stuff, which is really awesome to hear their voice. Like it's not like it's one or the other. And you have so many you talk to so many people that I think you really do get a very good uh, cross section of society in general. Well, I I like talking to the mothers who are real type A because I, I <laughs> they know their well, shit. <laughs> well, 
first of all, they, they either really know diabetes or you can kind of gracefully and gently show them that maybe they don't need to be so high strung mm. about this thing right here, right uptight about this thing. And it gets the, so the people listening get to hear, hey, she was right on being concerned about A, B, and C, but she could have let go of, you know, D, F, and G. And, mm. and, and because there are people who are worried about things they don't need to be worried about. And you hear it if you listen long enough. I really do think that worrying about things you can't control is a bad idea, like for yourself, yeah. you know, for, for, for management of diabetes as well as, you know, your soul. Um, and, you know, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of things I try to sneak into the podcast, but I'm just saying that, listen, I've had on people from like every diverse nature mm. and I've also turned down people. I've turned down every color and every, everything that you can think of. Cause they seem crazy to me. And I'm like, mm, crazy mm. person. I don't look at them and go white, crazy person, black crazy person i just go that's a crazy person no you can't come on um and it, by oh the way oh my gosh now i'm feeling very honored you didn't think i was crazy after all my emails roxy <laughs> sometimes I, my next sentence was going to be i let a couple crazy people slide through because oh, they're good, fun okay. too <laughs> i promise i'm not crazy i'm having a lovely time speaking with you I you know it's can't. really funny i actually one of the things i was like because you know i was like thinking about things i would be interested in talking about and then i was like Okay, Scott totally doesn't want me to do this, so I'm going to stop. <laughs> yeah, but I was thinking about how, like, um, you know, how difficult it is to kind of strike that balance between, um, you know, not getting crazy about diabetes and and how much I think your attitude. It's funny. You're very, um, you know, obviously very on it and have a lot of ideas and have thought through all of these things. But at the same time, I think. I've benefited very much from your sort of like attitude of not worrying about things you can't control. That's something that I struggle with. I think I hear that a lot. Actually, it's yeah. one of the things about the podcast that I never expected that surprises mm -hmm. me when I hear it, that just the, I seem calmer. And so people kind of absorb that up when they're listening. And yeah. I think when I first started listening, I was sort of like, Oh my gosh, these standards are just, that's never going to happen. I can't, no way. These people, you know, this is insane. And then when I started, but then you said something like, and Arden will eat whatever she wants. And I was sort of like, wait a minute. Okay, hold on. Like there's a way to do both. That's amazing. Okay. I'm hooked now. You know why, you know why people can't think that way is because everything, you might not believe this if you're just listening and you're just a consumer of audio or blogs or something like that. But everyone you're listening to, I would say, not everyone, but most people you're listening to or consuming from, I don't do this, but they pick a lane. And then just like you're talking about earlier with, you know, politics or social stuff, they defend that lane to mm. their death. And so they just, they make these simple declarative statements because they think those are easier for people to follow and understand. We mm. eat low carb. If you want stable blood sugars, you have to eat low carb. They say that, then they defend it, then they say it over and over again. It's working for them, in fairness, and it is a really realistic way to keep your blood sugar low and stable. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not saying it isn't, but when you start saying it over and over and over again, you're selling it as a, as dogma then. Just like, like people come by and say, I can eat anything I want just because I have diabetes. I agree with that, too. But there are too many people eating whatever they want, and their blood sugars are bouncing between 300 and 40. That's not the same thing. 
My daughter eats whatever she wants and we keep her blood sugar in a nice stable range. That all, so that's why when I tell people what the podcast is about is learning how to use insulin and then you apply it to whatever life choices you want to make. That is really how I think of it. I don't think it's how everybody takes it, but it's how I think of it. I think of it as I'm not a brand and I'm not defending one narrow cast idea of how to manage diabetes. But that's also, it's interesting. People would think of that, content providers would think of that as an inspecific and unattainable way to create something popular. They think you have to pick this one small thing and be this thing. And I'm none of those things. And this is the most popular diabetes podcast that's ever existed in the world. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Yeah. yeah. And you definitely get that when you're when you're listening. So diversity in every walk of life is a good thing. You know, even (laughs) how how you eat or how you use your insulin. Listen, I've been wearing a G6 now for about four or five days. Oh, I know. I've been following you. Has it been fun? <laughs> I um, I'm going to tell you that with I'm as good at my body is as good at taking care of diabetes as I am at taking care of Arden's diabetes. There are times when I look at her <laughs> graphs and I'm like, hers are more stable than mine. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> you know, the first morning I woke up after looking at yours and being like, "Man, working pancreases, there's something." And I was, I had been like between like. 80 and 92 all night. And I was like, Hey, I'm something too. This is good Good for you. By the way, another example of what we were talking about, because this is something that prior to this podcast and this kind of ecosphere, I think that I've built here of people, this would have been something if I would have just popped up on a social media platform and said, Hey, I don't have diabetes, but I'm wearing a Dexcom and here are my, my sugars. I would have gotten yelled at by everyone. This isn't fair. You're wasting the you're wasting the thing. I need that transmitter. Like this would have happened, but blah blah blah. Right, but it yeah. would have come from all sides, and they would have piled on. But there's a really good reason I'm doing this, and there's a really valuable reason for people living with diabetes that I'm doing it. And the people who are listening understand that. I've not had one coarse word back. Everybody's just like, I appreciate you doing this. Thanks for updating it with your food all the time. I'm enjoying watching how your blood sugar right now. So my blood sugar doesn't spike and it doesn't stay up for very long. Mm-hmm. But you can see that I ate a grilled cheese sandwich. I took French bread and cut like an inch and a half, two inch and a half pieces of French bread, slathered it in butter, threw a bunch of cheese on it, a couple of pieces of slicing pepperoni. And my blood yeah. sugar went up about 30 points and it stayed that way for like six hours. Oh wow! Okay, right. I'll so yeah, look at that bit. Yeah, but yeah, it was only like 120, right? And you're no, like, but that's yeah, that's significant. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. So it's not the number you should be looking at; it's the rise and the stableness of of how that food was pushing my. So imagine if I didn't have a pancreas working, that's where you're going to get a 300 blood sugar for five or six hours, right? Right. And right, then people sure. are like, and uh, suddenly it fell out of nowhere. I don't know what happened. Well. Your body digested the cheese and then got rid of the bread, so it stopped leaching out the the glucose from the bread, and you do know what happened. Like pay attention. Like this is what happened, you, you know. So in this time frame where this cheese and bread is in your system, you're going to need a lot more insulin to tamp that number down while this process is happening. And if you can stop that insulin from being active about the time the sandwich is done, you know, being active, mm-hmm. you win. Like, that's it. Like, you you yeah. don't have a high blood sugar and you don't crash later. That's what and I wanted people to say. It's such a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah, isn't it great? By the way, I'm going to, um after this, 
my wife's going to put it on and she might have pre-diabetes. So you're going to get to oh, see that. Wow. Right. And then <laughs> we are going to start getting type ones that listen to the show who want to like highlight a meal that they're good at. And then we'll, we'll do that. Like it'll pop up yeah. and you'll get to see them do their meal. I think that's such a cool idea. I mean, so when I first started listening, um, or I guess when I first got, I I started listening around the same time as I got a Dexcom, Mm -hmm. um, which was maybe a couple, wow, like a, I guess two, almost two years ago. It's taken you nine months to get on the show. So yeah, you, uh, nobody has rescheduled their recording as much as you, Roxy. Oh, stop. Swear to God. (laughs) That was mostly you, man. (laughs) Whatever. I'm just saying. (laughs) Um, but anyway, so I, yeah, I, it's funny. I got a, um, a new pump and a Dexcom at the same time as my, um, diabetes educator told me about your podcast. So I kind of have these, like, this was like a very sort of defined moment of, um, management changing because I had all these new tools and I had, you know, this new information. And one of the first things I thought to myself is, gosh, I wish I could put this on my husband who doesn't have diabetes because, I would just love to see what happens. Like I just, it's hard to shoot for something that you don't really understand. And my doctor had once told me, oh yeah, you know, I, I once went up to 180 and she didn't have diabetes, you know? And, um, and I was sort of like, well, what, like, it's just, I looked for research papers. I looked for all sorts of stuff and there's nothing out there of just like, here's what a working pancreas looks like. So for me, I was like so excited when you, when you put it on, because I thought, you know, that's, that's actually like really adding to the body of knowledge. And it's not, like you say, it's not to just be like, na 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 boo-boo, I don't have diabetes. Right. I have to tell you. It's obviously super helpful. Yeah. If I, if I had a company behind me supporting what I was doing, I would, my diabetes space online, you know, if I had a blog that was really popular, would not look like all the other ones. The other ones are just, they tell you what's coming in technology um, hmm, they yeah, pick some things yeah. people are upset about and talk about that. Then they show you a lot of uh, recipes, which it's great, you know. Boring. And then <laughs> nobody cares. And and by the way, my uh, the person who helps me with SEO, which means search engine optimization, which is to see kind of how things work, um, uh-huh. picked through a bunch of really popular diabetes websites the other day. And my blog, which I put, I'm going to say, ten percent of my effort into, is as popular as some of them. As far as cl- as clicks go, not good for me. Inter- what I'm saying is maybe they should be doing something people actually care about. Yeah, well, I have to say them. I am a perfect example of somebody who had never had any interest in the diabetes community whatsoever um, until, and I think partly to my detriment, but, you know, I was very put off by, um, by that kind of stuff, especially by the recipes, by the like idea that you have to live a certain way and, I just always felt like I was failing in that kind of situation. And I did, I actually got to the point where um, I was due for a new pump and I didn't know what pumps were on the market. Mm -hmm. And I realized I almost just got, I had a Medtronic and I almost just like upgraded to the um, 670G. And it was really only because I was living, I live in um, Indianapolis, which is obviously the land of Eli Lilly. And um, one of my neighbors worked for Lilly or does work for Lilly. And she uh, and I were going for a walk and, and she was kind of asking me about diabetes or what I was, what I was using and whatnot. And she was sort of, I was saying, oh yeah, my doctor says I need to get a new pump and uh, I don't really want to like research. And she was like, well, you know, you really should, there are all these advances coming, blah, blah, blah. And so 
I had actually, I realized at that point I had gotten so far out of the loop, which, which my dad was always really into technology. So he was always kind of pushing me to get the newest stuff when I was younger. Um, and I had kind of just like settled into that. This is what I do. I'm not in touch with any diabetics. I don't follow anyone on Instagram. I, you know, not, not to be like a Scrooge, but just, I think you kind of talk about this as well. Like people, once they kind of get their routine and they've had diabetes for a long time, they sort of fall out of the spaces. It makes sense. Um, and that was definitely me. So it really was like the, the fact that your podcast is so dynamic and interesting and, and, you know, information, learning how to use insulin. I had never been taught that. I mean, it seems almost insane to me now thinking about it. But, um, you know, I'm a relatively intelligent person. I've like gone to school, like I could definitely, I can learn to use insulin, but I had never been taught. And I don't know why I never wondered. That's the thing that like kind of is strange to me. Like, I'm so glad that you really did wonder because <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know either. Look, it's funny you bring up Indianapolis because in the day, back in the day, I've been to a number of diabetes blogger summits that are, were always run by pharma companies. Oh, and they okay. pull together 20 or 30 people who had, I guess, popular blogs. And you would sit there and kind of brainstorm how to help people with diabetes. And I'd listen to the room and think, that's not right. No, don't do that. And once or twice I'd say something. And then I was like, mm, no one cares what I think. And I just shut up and I just kept listening and thinking, that's not right. Like I, as a, as a theory, I like supporting people emotionally. I think it's a great idea. But mm-hmm. – chicken and egg, right? Like, so if somebody's down and you want to lift them up, that's great. But if the thing that's pushing them down is still there, then they just go back down again. So what if we figured out what was pushing them down and got rid of that? And what if we had to ignore that they weren't happy at the moment to get to that thing and, and just, okay, we're going to ignore their feelings for a second and get to the problem. It's, it's sort of like rushing into a car accident and a guy's pinned under a steering wheel and he's like, this hurts, this hurts, this hurts. Do you do something for his pain or do you get the <laughs> steering wheel out of his chest? Right? Like, mm-hmm. so I just looked at the way people were living with diabetes and I thought, why don't we get rid of the problem and stop just treating the symptoms? That That's just how it seemed to me. Like people are sad. It's just a number. They'd say stuff like that all the time. Like they need to know they're not alone. I'm like, wouldn't it be better if it didn't matter if they were alone? Like, like mm. let them decide if they want to be a, like alone or in a community. But one way or the other, if your blood sugar is going from 40 to 300 and back to 80 and then up to 250 and then down to 40 all day long, you don't have Ugh, an opportunity. Yeah. You don't have an opportunity to live, let alone try to find out why you're sad. You're sad because your goddamn blood sugar is jumping all over <laughs> the place. And you don't know what to do about it. Like, how yeah. is this? I, I could never understand. Like, I'm, I just sit in a room and I'm like, I don't know what any of you were talking about. There was always like. A third of the people were just trying to figure out how to make their blogs more popular. That was interesting because none of their blogs exist anymore. And um, (laughs) because you can't keep – it was like vaporware. Like they would say diabetes words out loud. And Mm. and I'm just like, yeah, but you're not helping anybody. You're just just finding a bunch of people who are in a bad place and going, hey, look over here. I'm in a bad place too. I'm like, uh, okay, now what? Yeah, that's not helpful. Right. No, I, I think that's an interesting point because I've thought about this a lot. So since, I mean, I've always had a lot of technology for the time, but I got diabetes when, um, you know, there was very little technology to have. And um, so I've kind of seen 
the evolution of a lot of technology and lived with it. And as, and as I think because I am a very type A personality, I think my parents were very aware that I was, um, you know, very keen to achieve as a child. Mm -hmm. And I think they were slightly worried that I would be so focused on numbers because, you know, I was like that kid who always got A's all the time, you know, and would like cry if I didn't do well on a test. And my dad's like, who cares? You got to be like, chill out, you know? (laughs) So I had, I think coming from that perspective, I think they were quite worried particularly at that time when there weren't CGMs and there weren't, you know, there was no real way to both live freely and have the kind of control that we can achieve now. Um, and I think, so I, I should say that I never had blood sugars that were going from 300 to 40, like that would be horrible. And I totally, totally agree with you. Um, but I definitely think that I lived a little bit, I, I had, I had, you know, higher A1Cs, not anything crazy ever, but like maybe in the high sevens or maybe eight, I don't know, Mm -hmm. something around that from, for a good part of my childhood. And then, um, but like mostly I've been pretty, I've had pretty good control. Right. But, but I think it's interesting now that I've got the technology because I find that my mental health is a little bit, I don't want to say worse because there's so many things that are so much better but I do find myself focusing on it um, in a kind of like punitive way. And I love that you always kind of talk about like not thinking of it as a number, not just thinking of it as an information. And I think as I get better at it, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like once I saw how, how a perfect bolus looked, I wanted every bolus to be like that. Yeah, well, I can't fix your insanity. All I can give you is the tools. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So no, I'm just saying from my, I, I'm interested as a, person living with it, that, um, that my, like, I have, I don't know. I feel like I've benefited so much from, from the technology and from the information. Like I would never give that up, but it's interesting to think about like, how do you kind of balance that? How do you not, um, just live your life as if your, your sole purpose is achieving a target, you know? And I think you're, I think it does get much, much easier once you've learned the information and once you learn how insulin works and you've done the experiments, I guess for me, it was, it was helpful to think about it as an experiment as like a, um, kind of, I guess that story that you tell about, was it you or Jenny? Somebody was talking about just like repeating, uh, the same food over and over until you get it right. Yeah, that's what I tell um, people when they're struggling. I'm like, make the same meal yeah. all weekend and just yeah. keep practicing it till you're finished, till you figure it out. Yeah, and- yeah, I guess so. That's that's been, I think, kind of changing my my mindset to have that attitude has been has been helpful. And I'm I'm, but I definitely have more frustration now when I don't. You know, I just have like a couple weeks every so often where things get wonky and I have to change things. And in my logical brain, I'm like, okay, just calm down and, you know, make the adjustments. Um, but in my, I guess, I mean, maybe it's just because having this going on in my body, I'm not thinking that clearly. Um, so it's like a combination. I think almost there's a degree to which if somebody else could do the thinking for me, it would be helpful because I do get to kind of, I, I like rage bullets. Like, I mean, I am the quintessential rage bullets. <laughs> well, you're saying that you don't notice it happening till it's happening. And so when you're looking from the outside, like when you're helping a child from, mm. you know, my perspective, I can see things coming. 
that my daughter would never see. Like, let's say, and this is completely farcical, no one in my house would be like this, but imagine that one day (laughs) you saw a woman who was just very kind and loving, and you were able, because of years and years of perspective, to know that the next day that person was going to be very short-tempered, because (laughs) that's what happens when you know, that day happens. This day always follows that day. <laughs> yeah. That person doesn't know on the happy day that it's a happy day as much as they don't know that it's a uh, nasty day on a nasty day. They don't know that about themselves. It's not happening. I can see that happen and say, oh, okay, tomorrow I'm going to walk around on eggshells because I know mm-hmm. that's coming. Now, sometimes I'm not smart enough to remember. Sometimes I get sucked up into the happy day and I think it's going to last 48 hours. Mm, sometimes it doesn't. And similarly, I can look at my daughter and see situations in her personality or other things she says or does that make me think, oh, she's ovulating now. Mm. I'm going to have to turn up her basil a little bit. But she doesn't know that about herself. Like, she would know if she looked on a calendar, but she wouldn't mm-hmm. just know because it's her. You know what I mean? Like, it's just – or you Yeah, know, and there are even, like, irrational things that I'll do. Like, I've, I've – um, spent a lot of time thinking about like preparation for exercise. And, um, I figured out, I have the T slim pump and I figured out that I have to turn off. Uh, well, I absolutely love the control IQ. I'm like, mm-hmm. bring on the algorithms, the more the merrier. Um, this is one instance in which for some reason the algorithm doesn't work. So I, if I'm riding my bike to and from work, like when I'm coming home, I'll have eaten lunch, you know, and the insulin will have mostly worn off, but sometimes there's like that tail end that if I then ride a bike, it'll just, um, you know, completely tank. And so I know I have to turn the insulin. I have to like, um, temp basal back. And this is super annoying about the control IQ. Nobody who's like developing this kind of technology thinks it makes any sense to have temp rates and an algorithm because they're like, well, we have activity mode for you. So you should put it in activity mode, but activity mode somehow just like drives me up like crazy. And I, it does, it really doesn't make sense. I don't know why. I mean, maybe there's, I'm sure there's something in the algorithm. It's just a bit more aggressive than I need. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and theoretically you could just put it on not as far in advance because normally I'll temp, I'll like do a temp rate of like 50% about two hours before I'm going to ride my bike. Um, but and, and I always know, like, I'm basically going to double the power of that insulin if I'm going to exercise and I still have a little bit left in my system. Mm-hmm. But once every single time, or not every time, but frequently I will kind of look at it and go like, nah, maybe this time it'll be okay. <laughs> like maybe this time it, the, the 0.6 that's left won't act like a unit and a half or whatever. It'll, it'll just kind of go away and I'll, and I'll just start riding and then I'll, you know, get home and be low. And it's like, come on, you know this. And so I'll do these sort of irrational things with like wishful thinking that I'm sure if I was taking care of a, another person, I would never do. <laughs> the the maybe this time wishful thinking, those two phrases go together so well around diabetes. It's like, it's like, oh, my blood sugar's, you know, got a little low. It's, but it's 75. I'm just going to eat a half a graham cracker. Maybe I won't need insulin for that half a graham cracker. Yes. This time. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. But you do yeah. because graham crackers are harsh, by the way, and they need to be covered with insulin. And it's yeah. so, but people do it all the time. Like, oh, I'll just take a little bit. Or I, I love it. I love when people can't figure out that, you know, they ate a handful of jelly beans because their blood sugar was 50 and then it ended up being 200. And then the next time they're 50, they don't just think, well, I wonder what would happen if I had a third of those jelly beans. 
I tell you, I mean, some of the things I think back to when I was in college and I would get up in the middle of the night. I I had a friend who would, you know, work really late and I was always early to bed, um, but I would get up because I'd be low. And so we would sometimes like run into each other in the kitchen as she's coming in from the library and I'm like sitting there wolfing down, you know, the amount of cereal I would eat and then just go back to sleep. Like, I mean, it's insane. I must have been just like driving my blood sugar up to a million. I don't even know. Yeah. Well, and I, I wouldn't do it differently the next time. Like, I think it's partly that like low, low brain, like eat the whole kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but even with, even when I'm not low, I will sometimes make, I sound like I'm, you know, completely hopeless, but I'm, I'm really not, but I will sometimes have wishful thinking around, around things like I'm going to go out for a walk and I don't really want to eat before it. So even though I have a half a unit on board still, I'm just going to Turn off my basil and see what happens. It's going it, to be it fine. No, what will happen is you'll get low because the temp basil won't catch you in time. And then you'll get high after. You get high after. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> um, but anyway. listen, the other night, Arden's blood sugar got low. And she was, you know, eating food to take care of it. And it was a significant, like, you know, it was a, a persistent low. And she's she looks at me and she goes, take this from me. And I was like, I okay. It. So I just took the food from her. She's like, I was going to keep eating that. I was like, gotcha. <laughs> so, <laughs> She's um, like, I know I have no self-control right yeah. now. Just help me. But I love you, it. But you know, it must have taken me three years to explain that to her. Because I'm not oh, a per- I really am not a person who wants to beat something into your head right away. Like I would like over time for you to notice that when you're low, you're going to eat more food than you need because you've got this feeling. Your brain's telling you. Basically, your brain's like, yo, we're dying. Eat carbohydrates. Yeah. Right. It's, it's intense. And then you have to have you have to have enough clarity in that moment to say, I just need to eat enough here and understand mm-hmm. what enough is. And in a world before CGMs, the, the the common practice was just to it was to was to eat the kitchen so you don't drop dead, which made sense mm-hmm. then, by the way. Um, but you're not in that same situation anymore if you have some of this technology. Yeah. And I think there was, you know, I was really I'm not sure how my parents did it, but I think they really did raise me with very little fear around diabetes. Like there was a real kind of, um, yeah, a fearlessness, a sort of like, trust your body. You, I'm very grateful. I've always felt my lows very, very well. Like I wake up when I'm low, I'm really lucky in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I was, and I knock on wood every time I've I mean, now my CGM alarms, but, um, you know, when I was a kid, I would wake up and I'd be sweaty, but I'd be very low. Like I would, now I wake up when I'm, you know, 65 or something or 70 and the things, you know, beeping, but I would probably be pretty low at that point. Um, but anyway, there was, I was never like afraid of insulin or afraid of any of that stuff. So I think that's, that was helpful, but a lot of like keeping that fear at bay, was knowing you can just eat something and it'll be fine and like not worrying about the highs so yeah. much I think. Oh, I think um, I think there's a lot of good that came out of that um 60s, 70s, 80s parents who didn't know any better so they were just like you're going to be fine. Like like actually yeah. think the vibe of that is okay. You know what I mean? Like the rest of it's not great, but the vibe of it is a good is a good it's a good posture to take, I think. Yeah, um, I mean you know. it really I think that's what I was kind of trying to get at before yeah. like my mental health around diabetes at that point was like, I've got control of this. Like I can feel it. And I mean, we had some, some scares. Like I, I had, excuse me, I had a seizure, like full on went to the hospital, like passed out all of it 
when I was in seventh grade, right at the beginning of like the transition to middle school. And it, I, you know, did something stupid and bolused way too much. And um, yeah, so I like, I mean, mostly, mostly I felt everything and it was all good, but like my parents had a lot of reasons to be fearful, but somehow managed to kind of keep that from me. Um, And, and so I always, like, I was thinking back about this and I was like, you know, I like lived in Italy by myself up on a mountain, like three miles from the nearest bus stop. And I didn't have a car and I didn't speak Italian. And my parents were like, it's cool. Just, you're just li-. like, nobody ever talked about diabetes when I was. Keep her granola was, like, bar in your pocket, this. Roxy. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, and I, I remember I got food poisoning at one point and I was living alone up there and I was just like barfing my brains out, you know, and I, I mean, now I think about it and I was like, that was crazy. Like, <laughs> I think you're here to come to the conclusion that you have terrible parents and you thought they were good. <laughs> yeah, right, no. Um, no, I do remember my dad being like so happy when CGMs came out. He was pushing me to get one. And I was kind of like, what's the big deal? These things aren't accurate yet. Like, I don't need this. And he's like, please just wear it. Oh, my God. You're- so I'm sure he was losing a ton of sleep as I was up on that mountain in Italy. But, you know, in, in um. In my mind, your parents are the reverse Beverly Hillbillies. You know that, right? No. <laughs> From talking to your sister. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they just, they bugged out of the city. They went to Vermont. How do I even remember that? I remember nothing about most of these podcast episodes, in case you're wondering. Like, I'll get these notes and people are, <laughs> I get these long notes and they're like, oh my God. And they're talking to me like, I'm like, this person feels like we know each other. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and, so, and so I'm looking because I don't want to like I'm they have this, like such a nice connection I, I I it does mean a lot to me it's just a lot of like people searching their name well like, a lot of people find- write Roxy and so it's hard to keep up like some people will just like drop back into my life and be like hey that temp basil work great I'm like do you think yeah. you're the only one I talk to about that <laughs> see I'm amazed you've even like kept track of my my nagging emails because I'm like he doesn't know who I am it's fine <laughs> I sit down once a month it takes me about three hours and I power through all my emails and I read every oh, one of them and I hate oh, every so second nice. of it. Not about the emails. I just hate the process of doing it. Um, but I just think it's important. Like it, you know, it seems important to me yeah. and, and I learn a lot from them too. Like I, I like seeing sometimes people's fears or leaps they've made, or just imagine all the notes that have come back to me where people are saying like, this is what the podcast is to me. And I'm just like, God, oh, I never gosh, imagined yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like, I interviewed a girl the other week and you know, you'll hear it sometime in 2021 probably. And, um, <laughs> and she was she's talking to me for like a half an hour about how the podcast has taken her a one C so far down and it's leveling out and getting better. And I finally, I'm like, you know, can you tell me what part of the podcast did that for you? And like thinking she was going to talk about pre bolusing or understanding her basal insulin better. And she's just like, it's the community. I always knew how to do all the other stuff. I just never did it. And I was like, what about the community? She goes, I don't know. Just, I just wanted to do a better job all of a sudden after listening to the podcast. Just, it was that simple. And I never, you could have, you could have stolen all my money in a bet right then. Cause I would never have bet on that as she was. Yeah. That's what the, um, the CD who met, who recommended the podcast to me the first time said, she's like, it's a really great place to find community. And I don't know if that was like a way of you know, you as a medical it. professional, yeah. like being able to recommend a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really- or if that was, because I was like, I don't need community. It's fine. I'm cool. But then I was like, but you know, I might have something interesting. She had a lot of great things to say. So when I, um, when I checked it out, I was like, this is not really, I mean, I, I definitely 
was interested to hear people's stories, but I, I'm definitely more of the like, Management. give me those like tips, those tricks. I want to try it. You know, <laughs> uh, it, there's a, such an interesting mix of people listening. There are some people who don't care a lick about that. And they and or the Facebook page is an interesting place, too, because the management people talk, but the other people listen. So there's a there's a whole there's a like a whole thread of people who are vocal on the Facebook page, which, by the way, I'm really proud of still. Um, if you ever hear me tell me, I'm tell you I'm not proud of it. It fell apart, but it's still an amazing place. If you have type one diabetes juice box podcast, type one diabetes, it's a private Facebook group. There's like 8000 people in there. By the time you hear this, there'll be. I'm hoping 10,000 people in there. It grows slowly. Like it's not one of these things that goes from like 10 to 20 to 30,000 people all at once. And then you've just got a bunch of nonsense. that doesn't help anything. It's so focused. And, and somebody asks a question, it gets answered. It gets answered in a way that I'm just like, wow, if I would have sat and answered every one of these questions, I would have said a lot of what's being said here. And so it's interesting to watch the proliferation of the podcast uh, go out, stick to somebody, and then bounce back in again. It's really, uh, I'm I'm very grateful for for everybody in there. It's really interesting um, yeah. and valuable for people. But at the same time, there's there are still people in there that I can see them. I can see that they're there by the activity, but they never say a word. Mm. It's very interesting how it works. And then there are other people who are like, do this, try this, do this, and it's just mm. it's a perfect mix. Um, That's I great. I mean, that is truly an achievement because mm. Facebook is a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I keep waiting for it to explode, but it just keeps getting nicer. <laughs> and it was one of those things I've said it before. People are like, can you make a Facebook page where we can talk? And I thought, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. That seems terrible. No, actually I've pretty much gone off Facebook, but whenever I do go back on, I always check that, that page. Cause I'm like, Ooh, I wonder what people are up to. And it's always, I totally agree. It's lovely. It's yeah. like, and really Jeez, active too. This resource that existed when I was a kid, I can't even imagine how good I'd be at diabetes by now. <laughs> Just jump in somewhere and say out loud what you're thinking, and then people are yeah. like, "Oh, you know, move this block over." It's like, it's like, I don't know, it's amazing. So, and I really appreciate that you're a diabetes educator, and all the diabetes educators that recommend the show do so. That's another thing I see all the time. People coming to the Facebook page have to answer a couple of quick questions just so you can mm-hmm. make sure they're like a real person or not a Nigerian scammer more specifically. And um, <laughs> by the way, Facebook scamming in Nigeria is a, it, it's gotta be, the thing, huh? it's like yeah. their gross national product, I think. Uh, but so, you know, where'd you hear about the podcast? And a lot of people say from their doctors. Wow. So. Yeah. I, t- I um, sent the pro tips episode to my doctor. Who's a who's got type one. And um, actually I connected with Jenny after hearing her on your podcast, because I was like, I need a new doctor. Like I was not happy mm-hmm. with my doctor and she was able to connect me. She's like, I think there's a type one um, who's, who is a, um, you know, who is an endocrinologist in, in India. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I've never seen somebody with type one. This is going to be amazing. And it's just, I can't recommend that enough. Like yeah. just having somebody who lives with it is so helpful um, but cause it's so, you know, when I think about it, I'm like, honestly, how does a doctor like even learn this? Like if you don't have diabetes or know somebody like you really have to live with it and try things to actually, um, really learn how to live with it. <laughs> yeah. That's really redundant. But, um, I, I'm, I'm just like, there needs to be like a simulator diabetes kid that, <laughs> that a doctor can use. Because I, it yeah. seems so, it seems so impossible to learn, to learn this information without, like, it. Just, I don't know. Anyway, you've said I, that many times. But. No, I, I um, steadfastly believe that if I, 
if I wasn't a stay-at-home dad, I would be terrible at diabetes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I had the time. I had the time. You know, yeah. to really look at it. Yeah. That's so. Yeah, it was sure. just a big deal for me. Um, just yeah. having to to look, try, do it again. Um, didn't work. All right, why not? Look, try, do it again. And you know, my wife was a big help too. And like, she beat it out of me. Like the um the drama stuff. Like I would get dramatic mm. in my own way too, and she'd be like, "This is not helping." She's like running around the house yelling, "Shit is not fixing this." I was like, "Gotcha." <laughs> so. Good for her. She sounds like you guys are a good team. Yeah, yeah, my husband is like, "Oh my gosh, he is hilarious. He's like the most, you know, English, cool-headed, like unemotional." Um, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, we're a great team. Ever. I do something wrong, and she tells me I'm wrong. That's perfect. That seems to be what our team is. <laughs> Just drags me forward, you know, and then Got I'm a like, system worked out there. Yeah. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'm like, you don't do everything right. She goes, this isn't about me. And I was like, okay, I see. It's, it's about me. I'm bad. I got it. <laughs> I figured out my place in the world. Don't worry, Roxy. Oh, I know God. what to do. So interestingly okay. enough, we've spoken for about 55 minutes. Uh, oh my God. You're on the show because your sister was on the show and we've spoken about that for about nine seconds. So maybe we should bring <laughs> that up for a second. Okay. Yeah. Let's go back to that. Okay. So- What's that episode called? It's called Zoe and Roxy's Wild Ride. Is that I think right? so. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I just re-listened to it to have it fresh in my mind. Right. So, and yeah. so you heard someone on the show who was worried about uh, their type one sibling feeling left alone, made you wonder how your sister felt. You forced your sister to come on a podcast she knew nothing about. Uh, she was a great sport and really delightful. She talked to you all about chicken, chicken trailers, as I recall. Yep. <laughs> yes. She picked through my fascination with Vermont, um, which I don't – it's it's almost a perfect place. And then when it goes off the rails, it goes off the rails spectacularly. There's no oh, way to – Oh, it does. Yeah. <laughs> it's such an interesting place. Every time I go back there, that is exactly my arc of, of uh, thinking. <laughs> yeah. I, I just – I was like, this place is magnificent. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that man's chickens living in an abandoned travel trailer? Huh? Chicken trailer, Scott. Chicken trailer. What an odd. What an <laughs> I was, odd as trip. I was listening to her episode, I'm shouting. You're going, what do you think this thing is? And she, you're describing it to her. And I'm shouting, chicken trailers, oh, chicken trailer. <laughs> or just in general and not for nothing, but it's 2020. Maybe an air conditioner is not a bad idea. Just get an air conditioner. Oh, see, there my like eco warrior comes out. I live in Indianapolis and I still don't use an air conditioner. You freaking hippie. Like, I mean, really, <laughs> what are we talking? It gets hot out. Just take a little of the humidity out of the air. You don't have to make it 65 degrees in your living room. Just make it a comfortable situation. Uh, I, you know, I think I was like meant to live in a really hot, humid place because when the when it's on the you know in the winter i'm like crank up that heat um but i can deal with heat really well and then not so much cold so i i look really great when i'm like oh, i don't use my air conditioner like, yeah good for jerk. you in and hindsight then, and then it's like but i crank up the heat like crazy in the winter i'm telling you in hindsight i recognize that i was about five minutes away from being in a horror film where my family killed me for taking them somewhere <laughs> where there was no air conditioning like, That's so funny. Yeah. I can imagine that there's that like horrible feeling when you realize you've paid for an Airbnb and it's not what you expected. I, I can really relate to the that. The whole thing yeah. was perfect. Sans air conditioning situation. Oh, yeah, really sorry. was lovely. Vermont let you down. It really did. Um, and, you know, Ben and Jerry's isn't going to overwhelm no air conditioning. That's for certain. That only lasts for a minute. Anyway, it's not your fault. It's nobody's fault. Nowhere's perfect. If you came to New Jersey, you'd be horrified. But I'll tell you what. <laughs> You wouldn't be hot in the summer. So there. <laughs> <laughs> that 
That is true. Anyway, yeah. what did you learn from listening to your sister on the podcast? Anything? Yeah, I think um, I was really, I mean, I, I think I was suspecting that she would say what she said uh, or, you know, some of what she said. Like, I, I definitely thought it was, I think what interested me the most, as I sort of said earlier, was that this parent was so worried about their younger their younger um, child because I kind of thought, you know, diabetes only affects the person that it touches. Like that was kind of, I know that's not really how it worked in my family, but um, I, uh, my perception was like, it, it didn't really ripple out to my sister. And I was, so that's kind of why I was curious what she would say. Um, and I, and I know that it has affected her, but in, I think mostly neutral or even in funny ways, positive ways. Yeah. Um, because I think there was really an attitude of like, I don't know, I guess my mom grew up with a, her, her younger sister had was born with a hole in her heart. And so she had like, um, really intense few years as a, as a young kid. And even up into like her early teens where she couldn't walk very far Mm -hmm. without like breathing really hard. And thankfully she had surgery that kind of fixed it. But I think that, um, ethos of sort of like not pitying the person who has, you know, got a condition of any kind and sort of being very, uh, get on with it. You can do anything anybody else can do. I think it was very empowering for me. And I, and I thought, you know, when I hear what, um, you know, how it affects, I, I honestly think it's way worse. Diabetes is way worse for parents than it is for the people with it well, in a lot of cases, maybe not in all cases, but, um, certainly in my case, I think it was, so I think my parents did a lot of kind of shouldering the burden for me and for, and especially, you know, that kind of then like went on to my sister as well, because they were sort of oh, not expressing their anxiety and their, and their concern and all of that stuff that I'm sure was going on in their heads. Um, but I think, I don't know, it certainly doesn't seem like the the best sort of cushiest approach, like the most like loving, healthy approach, maybe to be like, just, uh, you know, deny how you're feeling. Um, but (laughs) (laughs) it's really, I don't know what I'm communicating to people, but all I can say is that, um, by kind of having that sort of attitude that I think you've said this before that like, you didn't want to see Arden as, as diabetes, you wanted to see her as your daughter, you know? And I think my parents were really good at that. And so I never really like even when I went to college, I, some of my friends didn't know I had diabetes, not because I was hiding it. I mean, I was testing my blood sugar at the, you know, uh, canteen in public. Like I've always been very open about it, Mm -hmm. but I just sort of never like identified as that particularly. And I'm not saying that that's the way to go necessarily, but it's interesting that that was sort of like how it affected me and that my sister then felt totally fine about it. And she's not even scared about her kids having it or getting it herself or anything. Like I have a lot more anxiety around other health, um, you know, conditions Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. I think like my fear around diabetes was like, I didn't have a lot of that, but I have like, I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop in terms of something else happening to me. So, you know, it's, it's a slippery little uh, snake, but (laughs) but um, it is kind of interesting. Sorry. No, I, I was going to say, I don't actually identify as anything. I don't even understand that. <laughs> I don't understand like running around going, I'm yeah. this. I love this. I'm so about this. I'm like, eh, I don't even care. Yeah, I kind of yeah. agree, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, there's nothing about me that's particularly like, yeah, that I, I need everybody to know. But I guess I'm also kind of lucky that I don't have, you know, 
some, I don't know. I think there are people with like more severe disabilities, for instance, that, you know, the world needs to know in order to kind of accommodate them. Yeah. Um, diabetes isn't really like that. So, um, yeah, no, I, I agree. Know. I understand that. Like, listen, if I had, you know, if, if my left leg was a foot and a half shorter than my right leg, I'd be like, Hey, this is something about me. You need to know, you, you know, yeah. like, that, that, that seems important. I just mean like in general, like I would never tell somebody like, I'm the fan of this team or I really care about this political idea or I just don't understand. Like I I said recently on a podcast, I don't know if it's been out yet or not. I don't even identify myself about how I look like in my mind. That was interesting. I heard that. I'm I'm the thoughts in my head. I don't really think about myself beyond that. Like I really feel like I'm in a vessel. I need the vessel to work, but I'm the thoughts in my head and you either like me or you don't. And if I was taller or shorter or skinnier or fatter, I don't see why you would care if you liked me. Like that's, you know, if you got along with the thoughts that were coming out of my, that's just how it feels to me. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Maybe I should, maybe this is a long-winded way of avoiding sit-ups. I'm not a hundred percent certain. <laughs> but. No, I think, I think it's, I think that like comes with self-confidence or with, or not, something. I don't know. I feel like I was sort of born with not really caring what people thought about me. And I've, the more I've, I mean, I, I don't think that was something I cultivated. I think that was something that just some people kind of have. I mean, I'm sure you can cultivate it as well, but um, it's kind of a gift. It's really nice not to care. <laughs> I, uh, listen, I agree. Um, when when Kelly and I were first together, I'll never forget how she said to me one day, some people don't like you. And I was like, no, nah, I would imagine not. <laughs> you know, and, and she's like, yeah, like, I'm a person. Of yeah, course goes, people don't like Does you. that not bother you? And I went, no. Not really. And then she, yeah. then I pointed out somebody who I thought was like a real a-hole. And I was like, what would it say about me if he liked me? Yeah, exactly. Right. right? Exactly. Like, why, why would yeah. I want that person to like me? I would want, I, I'm hoping that a person like that looks at me and doesn't see anything in common. Like, right. And that was right. the first time, like, that was her, I thought, I always thought of that as her, like her Catholicism. Like, like, why are you not working harder for everyone to like you? I was like, Interesting. I don't, I don't yeah. care at all if anybody likes me. Well, I think a lot of times, like I do think as a woman, you're often sort of put in a position where you, um, you're supposed to kind of please the people around you. You know, there's a lot of, I don't know. I feel like there are situations in which I don't feel comfortable speaking up because I'm afraid people are going to think I'm nagging or being whiny or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Although I do try to kind of shake that off. So I'm sure there are certain, I think partly it's privilege not having to, Worry, worry about, about it. it. <laughs> yeah. Listen, the other day Arden said very, and she meant this with a ton of confidence. No one's going to marry me. And I, and I <laughs> but she meant it proudly. I know she's like not really on the podcast, but I just love this, this like <laughs> phantom persona of Arden. She seems like the coolest. <laughs> well, I'm looking at a box next to my desk right now and it has a second microphone and it just arrived from, uh, oh my gosh, from FedEx the other day. but I finally was able to, <laughs> she needs, um, she needs hours, um, for school to to uh, graduate, I don't know why I can never think of the name of the hours. It's such a, oh, like internship hours. I or don't something? know something. You, you know, you have to do something like community public, community service. service. Or, Thank you. Yeah. God, I don't know why I can't think of that. Uh, community service hours, and uh, she found out that being on the podcast because she has diabetes, oh. and the podcast reaches so many people that that would count as community service hours. Oh, that and makes she, sense. She yeah. just was like, she was like, oh, right, fine, and I was like, ha, 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 you gotta come on the podcast, and so and she has to do a certain amount of hours. 
So she'll oh get, man, this she'll is get, gonna be great. So we're gonna have a, like a like a whole series with Arden, get, like a short series with Arden, probably in twenty twenty one. Oh my gosh, this yeah. is awesome. <laughs> and she she'll loosen up when she really loosens up. That then then I might be like, oh my god, I can't believe people are really hearing her because she's just me, but from a different. <laughs> she's just me as a girl in a different generation. So it's funny. I definitely think it'll be interesting to hear what she has to say. I'm. I mean, I'm. Yeah. It seems like everybody's really. Everybody's perspective is very interesting. And you know, I've never interviewed somebody face to face before. So that'll be interesting too. Oh my gosh. I might be bad at it. We'll find out. Um, Anyway. She'll tell you if you are, I'm sure. If it's anything like I was as a teenager. She's going to be like, you suck at this. I don't know why people listen to this. That's probably going to come out of her mouth at some point. So, um, (laughs) because sometimes the show will pop up and she'll be like, oh, I'm like, yeah, I know. Ugh. I can't believe it. So does she like, does she really know what you're up to or is she kind of just like doesn't pay attention? Oh, no, she's aware. Okay. Yeah, she I mean, knows. I, I don't talk about anything about her that she doesn't know about. And um, she's comfortable with people knowing because she doesn't care. She really doesn't care. Yeah. And um, she knows the podcast reaches a lot of people. Um, and that's okay with her. Sometimes she'll say to me, can you tell your people to stop trying to get on my Insta? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Hey, I can't. I said, if they find you and you don't want to follow, don't just say no. You're a private account. She's like, I do, but it's annoying. I'm like, okay. (laughs) That's funny. I would never think to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Just that. She's like, she's a celebrity. She doesn't even know it. (laughs) She's just, oh, a woman sent this lovely note uh, the other day about, I know Arden, because Arden was on the beginning of the Dexcom episode. She helped me put the CGM on. Yeah, yeah. That's when I first, I was like, oh my gosh, she's, she's like, uh, you know. She's actually there. Her, her voice. Barely like mumbling. The Wizard of Oz. She's like, she's like this far off the microphone going, yeah, no, I don't know. Leave me alone. I'm like, Arden, just talking to the mic. She's like, I don't want to. I'm like, okay. So, but somebody sent this she's really like, it's nice fine, note it's fine. to thank her. Like said, she's like, I get that you don't love being on the podcast. She's like, but you and your dad have really helped me a lot. And I wanted to thank you. And I showed her that. And she's like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, this is a lovely note, Arden. It's really nice. She goes, I know. Just, I don't, I know. I'm like, so I can't wait to see if I can my, hoax my, anything out of her. <laughs> I hope I, what I hope is that she gets comfortable because I think she'll get chatty. Mm. And then that would be really interesting. That's that's what I'm going to try to get her to. So we'll see. And we're going to have yeah. a friend come on, too. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, yeah that sounds diabetes really cool. too. So that, yeah. that'll be nice. Yeah. But yeah, so your sister was delightful. I'm glad you forced her to come on the show. I really enjoy talking to you as well. I have one question. If you can't answer me on the recording, that's fine. But I want to know when we get done. Okay. Is your sister still with that boy? (laughs) She is. She is. So she actually was like, um, you can update Scott on my life. (laughs) Give us a great. I'm glad I'm going to be helping people like think about diabetes. Um, No, she, she actually with COVID, she graduated from law school, but then her, moved to Arizona, they told her she didn't have to move. She could just like work from Vermont. So it's hilarious because in the episode with you, she's like, I'm probably not going to get to move back to Vermont for a really long time. But it turns out that she spent most of 2020 living in Vermont Mm -hmm. with my parents. So she's living her dream. Um, But she is still with her boyfriend who's in Boston and uh, he's finishing his LLM, but he got a job in, I think, New York. So Mm. I don't know that they're, uh, I don't think he's going to move to Arizona with her. So they'll still have the opportunity to try when she was distance. explaining it roxy i was like this isn't gonna last 
But just because oh, of, your head's not mine, sir. But just the geography of it had me. I was yeah, like, someone's well, gonna I mean, break. I shouldn't talk because I did three years of long distance with my husband who is in England and we ended up together. So Listen, maybe I, us like, you know, Vermonters have a lasting power in the long distance relationship department. Roxy, I don't understand how a British guy and a Jew are in Indianapolis, to be honest with you. So the whole thing's confusing to me. Oh, yeah. He's a British Jew. <laughs> is he really? Did you know those existed? Where did you get that at? Do you have to do you have to special order that? How do you accomplish that? <laughs> I know they're only like they're very few, but uh, actually I had a Jewish professor at university who was like, "Do you know there are only 100,000 eligible Jewish boys in Britain?" <laughs> How'd you get one? That's amazing. It was a total accident. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't even do it on purpose? Oh no, no, I'm not that devout. <laughs> I uh, whatever. I got we got set up on a blind date, so yeah, interesting. Funny. Does he sound like Adele? I do like the Jewish boys, so I guess it maybe was bound to happen. <laughs> Does he sound like Adele? Um, you know, Adele is from. I think she is from East London, and he's from Essex, so he definitely um, has like an Essex twang, which is not you know the Queen's English. Let's say <laughs> I helped somebody um, from England the other day get their basil set up a little bit, uh-huh. and we just sort of you know people people who don't live in America the they just still can't call overseas easily for some reason. I don't know. It's 2020. Like she's talking like through like Facebook audio or something like that. And she's, I'm trying to help her. And I just stopped. And I finally said, look, we just have to get this out of the way for a second. I was like, um, cause I can't focus. You sound like Adele. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, no, I don't. And I was like, to me, you do. I'm just saying. I that. mean, I think Will would object to me um, describing his voice as Adele's, although he does like a little falsetto. So, um, you know, maybe he, <laughs> <laughs> he'd be okay with it. <laughs> I want to hear him order like a like a really traditional sort of Jewish meal in his British accent. I oh, yeah. Does no, that it's, go weird? Oh, yeah, the fried fish. You know, what's actually really funny is that he loves to do, you'll appreciate this as a someone from New Jersey or who lives in New Jersey, he likes to do his terrible American accent. And his favorite thing to say is two bucks a slice. <laughs> so he'll be like, I'll have some pizza, two bucks a slice. <laughs> but it's like really ridiculous. That's ridiculous. So the whole time we were driving through New Jersey, when we were doing a road trip, he was like practicing that. And I was like, I'm actually going to die right now. <laughs> friend of mine told me one time, you are so close to being Jewish without being Jewish. It's fascinating. And I was like, thank you. I don't <laughs> Actually, because I'm adopted, thought I was for a long time. Like, I felt like that must have been my lineage. Because if you met oh, me. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can totally I, see that. Right? Like, it just was, it seemed obvious to me my whole life, right? <laughs> and then it turned out, like, my adoptive mother was from, like, the Carolinas. And she met a guy in, like, Pennsylvania. And, you know, nobody can figure out who my, ado- my, my, um, I said adoptive mother. I should I should have said, um. What's the word? Your birth mother. Birth mother. Thank you. And so no one knows the birth father. They've never been able. Could to you tell do me like that. the twenty three and Me and see if you are? I, I've in fact done that. Nobody, nobody pops up. I do have a tiny bit of that, but not enough to explain oh, okay. my chattiness and my hands moving all over the place while I'm talking. <laughs> yeah, I was saying to Zoe the other day. I was like, she was, she had made latkes, and um, she was put them on Instagram, and I was like, oh my gosh, what are you know? Can you tell me the recipe? And we were joking about something, and I was like, oh my gosh. I just realized one day if I have a kid, I will be a Jewish mother. Like, that's insane. <laughs> you are already just from the emails you're sending me. Just so you know. Yeah, exactly. I'm like right. nagging <laughs> and I like to chat and yeah, you know. All of my really close friends are, are Jewish. 
And because I need somebody to talk to me as fast as I want to talk. I yes, can't, yeah, yes. I really oh need gosh, that. That's like, and you know, that definitely like translate uh, translates across the Atlantic. Like my yeah. mother-in-law is definitely the, the quintessential Jewish mama. And uh, yeah, it doesn't matter if she has an English accent. <laughs> I can get on the front. I can get on the phone with any number of my friends and just like, you can just say a word out loud. You're like COVID, right? And an hour and a half later, we're like, can you believe? And it just. Like it doesn't end and you realize you have to get off the phone or this will go on forever. (laughs) Totally. Just complain about the world and fix everything. (laughs) There you go. Well, maybe that's, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. The New Jersey, not Jewish, but kind of Jewish vibe you've got going on is definitely, it's definitely like, uh, feels like home, let's say. (laughs) It works for this podcast. That's for certain. All right. So, Roxy, we are finding ourselves in the situation where I have other things to do. And if I don't just stop talking to you, I'm not going to stop talking to you. (laughs) Well, that was very much fun. Thanks for having me. It was uh, great to chat. No, I really appreciate you doing this. I really do. This whole thing has been terrific. Like, there are so many things inside of the podcast that I think could be their own thing. Like Samantha's, like Samantha's, like, trimester um, as she's pregnant thing. Like that's like to me that's like six hours of just great conversation about being pregnant with diabetes. Oh, that I, was fantastic! And yeah. I get afraid it gets lost inside of this, but I, there's no better way to serve this audio to people. So, well, I think your your like new initiative of doing the live boluses is pretty cool. Like, I love that you keep innovating, and I love the stuff that's kind of been happening forever. But I also think you know the pro tips and the it's it's all good. It's it's cool that you're keeping it moving and. Roxy, you know, continuing to innovate. I appreciate you saying that. I'm going to make, okay. I'm going to guess something out loud now, right? So keep the timeline straight here. It's December 14th, 2020. People probably won't hear this till June 2021. But sometime in the next 18 months, you will see a large diabetes organization rip off my live CGM idea. Mm. Just like one, oh, of, one of the bigger ones ripped off my day of diabetes idea. And I could list a number of other things, but I like being ahead of the curve and I like thinking yeah. about how to serve. Gotta take it as flattery, right? Yeah. Well, listen, if I wasn't, if I didn't have the next idea, it would make me upset. Like if it was, yeah. just, if it yeah. was my best idea I ever had and I never had another one, I'd be like, they're ripping me off. Like that's, but you know, you're feel. building the community where people feel safe to share that. Like, I never would have shared my A1C before. Like I never would tell people that it was totally private and certainly wouldn't want people looking at what I was doing, you know, how my blood sugars were, were moving. But after listening to, you know, the way you talk about it and the people, how open people are, it's sort of like, I think it's really essential because you won't just get people out of nowhere to, to share their boluses. Like you have to build that. So I bet that yours will work better than theirs. Roxy, I have to tell you, you just made me feel very good with that last statement. I appreciate that very much. I yeah, well, because it is yeah. my goal. Like I am trying to I'm trying to do to people with diabetes what my wife is doing to me. I'm just trying oh. to drag you out of wherever you started as forward as possible before I divorce you. <laughs> oh man. And can we have can we have your wife on the podcast too? I really want to hear we that. We talked about so. that. Recently, she and I, and she's like, am I ever going to be on? I was like, yeah, one day. I was like, but not right away. I was like, she's like, the podcast is six years old. I was like, mm, seems too soon still. You should you should just be like, when you need community service, you can do it. Yeah. If you ever need community service, I will let you on. Go commit a crime. And then I will. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, I, she will definitely come on at some point. Um, 
and now that I have the microphone, it'll be easier, obviously. So um, we'll see yeah. what happens. But there's right. a lot well, of time. I'll look forward to what you do. And um, yeah, thanks for chatting. Thank you. Hey, could you do me a favor? Sure. If I ever get bad at this, will you send an email and tell me? <laughs> I'm really not a naggy person. I don't know. Conditions. I don't. I don't know how you. Don't but you know, that. if I can foster my Jewish inner Jewish mother, I, I promise I will do that. All yeah. Right. No. Seriously. Maybe I should send you some more positive reinforcement when you do good things. Oh, that <laughs> I've been married a long time. Positively reinforcing me just makes me feel like you know I have cancer and I don't know yet. So don't. Do yeah, that. I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of felt like no. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Please, when women are kind to me, I get nervous. <laughs> I'm like, why is this happening? What's happening right now? They're gonna. Well, you know. Constructive criticism is really only because you know that you can take it and that it helps. So, yeah. Without the, I have to be honest, without the women in my life, I'd be 21 playing a video game somewhere. So it's, uh, it's absolutely. (laughs) I love that you say that. It's so funny. It was very true. Um, Anyway, I thank you very much for doing this. I hope you have a great holiday. And um, uh, here's a little bonus for you. Uh, Today's episode is with a a type one who works at Mission Control at NASA. It'll be up in a couple of hours. (sighs) It's really good. So, so cool. Yeah, she's oh got my a gosh. really cool story. Rock on. All right. All right. Have Thank a good you. one. You too. Bye. Bye. I'm going to thank Roxy for coming on the show. She was a ton of fun and completing the circle with Zoe. You know, did you see that? And uh, yeah, circle. I'm making a circle with my hands and asking if you saw it. So obviously I'm tired. I also want to thank the T1D Exchange and remind you to go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Last but not least, touchedbytype1.org. Go to touchedbytype1.org right now. Just see what they're up to. Check into their programs, their offerings. It's all they're asking is for you to look and see what they're all about. Touchedbytype1.org on Instagram and Facebook. T1DExchange.org. There's a lot of links. Click on them and uh, I'll see you later.